smacking the boobish. Smacking the titties. Oh, hi. Hi. That sounded wrong coming out of my mouth, and I instantly regretted it. I hate the word tits and titties. I hate that word. The titties? The T word. It just sounds... Would you rather call them boobies? You like boobies better? Yeah. Boobies. Pillows. Pillows. Bulbous mounds. All of those are better. You want to know the first time that I realized men were disgusting? (laughs) (laughs) What? So my sister did a lot of figure skating growing up, and we would travel a lot for her competitions. And so there was one year, I must have been like eight, even maybe even younger. We went to Atlantic City in New Jersey. And if people are familiar, it's kind of like the Vegas of New Jersey. Like it's a, a lot of casinos and a lot of- Gambling. Gambling, yeah. So- we were checking into a hotel. We got there late at night. My brother was like asleep on my mom. My mom has big boobs. And my brother was sleeping on my mom, like kind of like on, you know, he was a little, little one. And this drunk guy comes stumbling over and he's like, he's got the nicest pillow in the hotel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he shouldn't have said that for sure. But he's I would probably wrong. think it too, though, walking by. But you, those are things you don't say out loud, especially yeah. when it involves like a parent and a child and children. But just at all. Yeah. yeah. See, because obviously it scarred you. You were a child. You will forever remember that of just feeling unsafe and like your mom was being sexualized by this man. That was the day I was corrupted. Yeah. It's just a series of corruptions. That's growing up with uh, bad people in the world. I remember another corruption. Actually, this is a question for you. When's the first time you learned about a blowjob? I don't know. Probably like eighth grade. Someone probably told me. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's a traumatizing experience to learn about it. Yeah. I remember, I vividly remember the day that I learned what the word pussy, like a pussycat, what that means other than Mm. a cat. And I vividly remember it because it was like seventh grade and I was in the movie theater with all of my friends which included a lot of boys and we were watching mr and mrs smith and angelina jolie screams at brad pitt from the rooftop and she calls him a pussy and everyone starts laughing and i'm like i don't get it and then they had to explain it to me and i was so embarrassed isn't that sad it's like i remember i was in sixth grade and this kid damien was like i bet you don't even know what a blowjob is and like made me feel so stupid about it that I was like so embarrassed. And I look back and I'm like, I'm so glad poor, innocent little Sabrina didn't know what a blowjob was in sixth yeah. grade. I, when I have kids, I'm just going to teach them comebacks. It's like if someone says that to you and you just say, well, you're never going to find out if I do. Yeah. How about that? Or like, you know what? I actually spend my time doing better things than trying to learn sexual lingo. I spend time reading the dictionary. I want my kid to be a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like also <laughs> my reaction is just to like bully someone in return, which is not the right reaction. Because <laughs> I feel like if someone said that to me, I'd be like, what an embarrassing question for you to ask me. And then just like walk away. <laughs> but that's like, you know what? If someone tries to belittle you and make you feel small, it's okay that you turn around and say, hey, actually, you're smaller. Yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to get at? How did we even start talking about this? This is two girls, one ghost. <laughs> <laughs> two girls, one ghost. And <laughs> um, we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. I'm Sabrina. Hey. Let us know when you first found out what a blowjob was. 
Gosh, I wish I never knew. I'm going to block it out of my own memory, I think. Okay. We're here to talk about ghosts. (laughs) That's that's the thing. And we have ghost stories written by you that we are going to read from our inbox. So we'll say it at the top because I feel like we haven't said this at the top of our episodes for like three years. But if you're just tuning in, you can email us your ghost story, your experience, your real experience or your neighbors, your coworkers. Our email is two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. We always include it in the show notes. So right yes. below the description of the podcast episode, it will say email us your ghost stories at and it has our Gmail account. Oh, Leia is moving my computer. <laughs> Leia's the cameraman, producer Lay. That could have seemed like a ghost and I could have played it out like that, but I'm debunking. Lay. Just a large and in charge. She is. Okay. This is from our listener, Christina, and it is called, My brother is unable to rest in peace because he keeps having to come back to save me. Oh, (laughs) honestly, I'm going to say this at the top. I feel like this is the best reason for him to not be able to rest in peace because otherwise I was very upset. But for him to just be a savior. To guardian. Maybe you should stop (laughs) giving him so much work. Also, I absolutely love the way that Christina starts this email. Hi, ladies. You can use my name, Christina, because my brain is narcissistic and I like hearing my own name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I love them. I also love it because it's true. And like they've done studies where people's endorphins go up when they hear their name. So you're not the only one. And I just respect that you are calling it as it is. Because everyone feels that way. Do you feel like that happens to you when you hear your name? I often feel embarrassed. I'm like, what? What did I do? But I do think hearing my name and being like applauded or congratulated for something good I did definitely does that to me. Yeah. What about you? Well, I feel like if I'm meeting a new person and they use my name a lot in conversation, it usually results in panic for me because I've already forgotten their name. (laughs) But I feel like it doesn't make too much of a difference for, like, people I already know. But, Christina, you can hear your name. Christina, Christina, Christina. Christina. Longtime listener and morbid enthusiast. I'm unsure if it's your podcast or just terrible connection, but I've noticed recently that my phone will close my listening app in the middle of listening to podcasts. And the error started out only with your podcast. But now it just does it with any podcast I'm listening to. Oh, you know... Normally, I'd, I want to deflect the blame, but we know it's us. Right. And Christina says, either way, I'm blaming your haunted podcast specifically so I can say it's an honor to be a part of the spooky haunting your podcast brings. Welcome. You've been chosen, Christina. And now I'm really just using Christina's name. So I've been meaning to send this in for a while, but I always get teary when typing about my brother. But here it is. I did it. I have a long one for you with multiple stories. I did not put my brother's name because I literally only call my brother, brother. And he used to call me sister. I'm not sure why we never use names, but I think we just liked that no one else could call us by those titles. Sadly, my brother passed away in 2017 at 22 years old from cancer. He was my best friend, my confidant, and my guardian. In high school, my brother threw people in dumpsters if they tried to pick on me. (laughs) Oh, what a brother. I love that. Yeah. Yes, dumpsters. My brother was a six-foot-tall Goliath who played football and threw shot put and discus, a track and field sport where you throw heavy objects with brute strength for the pure joy of seeing how far it will go. 
Not to say that I can't defend myself. I did once stab a man with a pencil because he was harassing me. But I digress. <laughs> Christina, I freaking love you. Oh, my God. Oh, so badass. I wear a necklace pendant with an engraving of my brother's fingerprint every day, which has become something like armor for myself and those around me. Some of my friends have even told me they experience a feeling of safety and peace when they see it hanging around my neck. A feeling of safety, which may allow myself to feel a little too bold because I do things like go to haunted hotel rooms where you aren't supposed to knock on the door because it angers the ghost, then proceed to bang on the door, look at my horrified friend in the face and go, eh, they can fight my brother, we're fine. (laughs) The words, fight my brother are such a commonality that we often joke that I'm actively prohibiting my brother from resting in peace because I'm constantly telling things, aka paranormal spooks, to fight my brother. I'm really making a lot of work for him in whatever afterlife exists. I picture Christina's brother like Jack Reacher because I've been watching that show where he's like seven feet tall and just full muscle and just beating the crap out of everybody. It's kind of what I feel like you are for me. Like you're alive. I feel that way for you too. You're my like living protector and I, I just I'm your muscle. You are. I'm your heavy your heavyweight. <laughs> Besides my necklace, I carry a small urn of my brother's ashes in my car, which I fully believe has saved me from several car accidents. One accident in particular resulted in a six car pileup. The cars in front of me smashed into each other and the car behind me smashed into the car that was in front of me. Somehow, at the last second, I yeeted myself into the shoulder lane and escaped the pileup completely unharmed. The officers were very confused when they arrived, and I explained to them that I had been between the two cars, which were now combined into one. Everyone did survive. But I explained to the officers that for me, everything went into slow motion, and I just knew I had to move into the shoulder because the car behind me was texting and was not going to stop in time. Side note, she was texting and there was no way for me to have known that. So I have no doubt it was my brother. Wow. Also, speaking of cars, a side note, my brother ruined a date for me from the great beyond. I was young and I thought I was being safe. I refused to get in this man's car because I wanted to be in control of where we went and I didn't want him to know where I lived. Now, as an elder of 26 years old, I realized meeting him at the location probably would have been the safest. However, seeing as we never made it out of his apartment parking lot, none of this mattered. Picture this. Cue Sophia from Golden Girls. Man sits down in my passenger seat and immediately proceeds to sniff my air freshener. I watch because how strange to just sit down and immediately start touching things and sticking your nose in my stuff. Weird much? So imagine my horror and shock when I see this man reach down, pick up my brother's urn, unscrew the lid, and begin to lower his nose to the brim. What? I respond with, hey, so would you mind not sniffing my brother? Needless to say, the date was immediately over when he got out, fast walked away from my car, and I never heard from him again. Jeez. um. (laughs) I tell myself that perhaps he went to therapy because of me, and as an advocate for therapy, I take that as a win. So maybe my (laughs) brother and I helped this man go to therapy, or maybe I out-freaked a potential creep. Who knows? The whole date was less than five minutes. (laughs) This guy clearly has like a smelling fixation thing. Yeah, so strange. I wonder if that's his first time or if this was like his fifth time smelling an urn and was just like, 
God damn it, I did it again. And was just flustered and had to walk off. I should have opened this episode not with when did you first learn about a blowjob, but when did you first sniff an urn? Uh, never. 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 I hold my breath when I look at the remains of my dog. I don't think I necessarily do anything. You just breathe normal? Yeah. Hmm. I bet most people do. On to the most significant save my brother ever did. October 14th, 2022. I'm so sad it wasn't the 13th, but October 14th. At 1 a.m. in a neighborhood cemetery in New Orleans. My friend and I were on a nighttime tour with about 20 other people and a guide. The group was loud and rowdy. The street noise was constant and there were birds chirping. We hung back in order to try and enjoy some of the spooks a little more alone. We were checking out a headstone off to the side when we looked up and realized everyone was gone. The street sounds were gone. The bird chirping was gone. A thick mist had set over the cemetery and the only sound was the dragging of the windshield wiper on the bus from across the cemetery. This bus was on the other end of the block and the windshield wiper was the only sound. Creepy. We start walking towards the bus and we start asking each other, are they in the bus? No, if they were trying to leave, someone would have been calling us. They would step out and wave at us to come back. We're looking at the bus. I don't see anyone inside. Were the wipers on before? I'm pretty sure they weren't. At this point, something was telling me not to leave the cemetery and definitely not to check out the bus, no matter what we did. So I led my friend to change directions to walk around the entirety of the cemetery. Nothing. Still no sounds aside from the windshield wiper of the bus. No one was inside that cemetery except my friend and I. At this point, I was running out of ideas. My friend began panicking, told me she was scared and something was wrong. I told her, we're okay. If something wants to scare us, or get us, they have to fight my brother. The second I said they have to fight my brother, it was as if a veil was lifted. Immediately, we could no longer hear the windshield wipers. There was no mist. The birds were chirping again. The street sounds returned. And most of all, we heard and saw our group. No more than 10 feet away from us, the entire group was standing and listening to the guide talking about the exact same headstone as before. We approached, and we asked one of the members of the tour where they went. They looked at us very confused, and said they had been there the entire time. We had walked past this headstone while we were looking for them. We had felt like we were wandering that cemetery for an hour looking for them. But the guy hadn't even finished his story. (gasps) Oh my gosh, a portal. A time slip. A time slip. When we returned to the bus with the group, the windshield wipers were not on. It was as if we had dropped into an alternate world, and when I said fight my brother, we were returned. (laughs) It's That's like... Oh, so unsettling that you can disappear in front of people like you're with people. Oh, my gosh. And also, I just love the idea that it does sound like her brother is such a threat in the astral world that it's like someone tries to mess with them and they know he's coming. They're just like, oh, forget it. Oh, shit. Immediately gives up. (laughs) We picked the wrong gal. I have one last story for you. It's called Matilda. I lived in an upstairs apartment, just me and my cat, Elizabeth. I love that her cat's name is Elizabeth. (laughs) My downstairs neighbor would text me, upset about loud footsteps during the day, when I was not home. Kitchen drawers would randomly open, the hallway cabinet would swing open randomly, and the shower door would slide open randomly while I was showering. Why? Oh my gosh. I figured, I don't know, weird runners or a loose hinge and an overactive cat. After all, Elizabeth always had zoomies. She would constantly wake me up from her running around all night. So I decided to have fun with the oddities in my apartment and would joke it was a ghost named Matilda. I'd walk out and find the drawer in the kitchen open. Freaking Matilda. 
The cabinet <laughs> in the hallway is open. Freaking Matilda. I close it, walk back to my room, only to get comfortable and once again hear the cabinet door open. I get up and close it and it opens again. Sometimes this would repeat multiple times before I would yell, Matilda, knock it off. <laughs> and I would close it for the final time. Terrible Tilly. Yeah. The shower repeatedly opens while I'm washing my hair. I pull it shut and I say, Matilda, stop right now is not the time, Matilda. Leave me alone. <laughs> Fast forward two years later and I'm moving out. I spend most of my time at my new place, except when I'm at the old place, finishing things up. The last day of my old lease, everything is packed and moved. I finish my final cleaning walkthrough and I'm going to leave when I have the worst feeling that something is staring at me from the end of the hallway. It was that gut dropping, heart stopping, panic and fear of pure danger. I had never felt that before. And I slammed the door and ran to my car. The next morning, I drove back to do the walkthrough with the landlord and turned in the keys and I dreaded going inside. So I sat in the stairs waiting for my landlord to get there. Landlord came in and we went in. He inspected and said it all looked great and asked if there was anything he should note for maintenance. I told him that the runners and hinges might be off because the drawer, cabinet, and shower door had always opened randomly. But I didn't mind and would just joke about it being a ghost named Matilda. He stopped, turned, looked at me, and stared at me dead in the eyes as he said, You named it. (gasps) Stop. I have chills. Ew. Why? Why is that bad? My response was, Haha, yeah, I guess so. I drove home. All I could think was, named what, sir? Named what? What did I name? What did I just do? Did he confirm that I was in fact living with something? Did I really just name an entity and yell at it for the past two years? And then it hit me. Elizabeth slept peacefully beside me the past few nights. Not a single zoomie since being in the new apartment. My precious fur baby who was running around constantly was now a peaceful sleeper. So was that thing chasing my cat all night? Oh, God. I've Googled and never found anything about a death there or anything that could explain if it were a ghost. So I'm not sure what it was, but I think that whatever it was became very angry that night when I was leaving. And that was the terrible feeling that I got. Oh my gosh. Ooh, especially because he called it an it. So it's, you lived with a poltergeist. Sounds like it. I mean, it doesn't sound like it was bad. I mean, the idea of the cat Mm. being chased is really sad, but- it wasn't doing anything like terrible. And then it got angry when she was leaving. But also it was like opening the shower door. I don't know. I feel like if it was someone else, I feel like we're thinking this because we're thinking of the perspective of Christina. Sure. Who's badass and it's like, stop. But if it were anyone else, they'd be like, I'm always terrorized. And the more fear you have, the more it could escalate. But it didn't yeah. really get too much of a chance to escalate because Christina would just be like, that's enough. I can't believe that the conversation with the landlord ended with, you named it. You named it. Oh, my God. I would have been like, I'm sorry. Can we talk about this? What do you mean? I say that and no, I wouldn't. I would have been like, haha, yeah. And then awkwardly have left mm-hmm. because I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the amount of times that like, I'm not a quick on my feet, witty. Like sometimes I have like really like moments where like, oh, my brain works really fast. But like, I think... I'm a processor. Like I take time to come up with things. The amount of times that I'm like, man, I wish that after everyone said something, time froze for everyone for like 10 seconds to a minute to allow me to process what they just said and come up with a response really quickly. Because the amount of times where like I'll respond and then like five seconds later, something really witty comes into my brain or like a quick response comes back. And I'm like, 
oh man, I wish I had said that. And how different would the conversation have been if I had said that? I know. Well, here's the thing. If you have a haunting like this where it's very consistent in the way that it behaves, you would have some time because you'd know it would happen again. That's true. But I feel like even with our podcast, like when I listen back, there are moments where I'm like, oh my God. And like, I have like a response in the moment when I listen back to it that I'm like, oh man, I wish I had said that then. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to blame some of this on the delay that we have when we record because we record by coastal. Because I feel Mm. like sometimes I second guess myself even saying anything because I know that there's going to Part of humor, too, is like the timing, and we don't always have it with the delay on our side. So I'm like, is it worth worth me even saying this now? Yeah, but your brain does work really fast. Like, you are a very witty person. So I'm just going to give you permission to interrupt and say your witty thoughts anytime. Well, my brain works so fast that in the second I could say something, I say it in my head, and then I convince myself to not say it. And then I just go, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we move on. Well, we can always edit things out. So I'm giving you permission to stop only communicating with yourself in your head. Communicate with all of us outside of your head. After every single second, God, that's not what I meant to say. After every single sentence, let's just pause for 10 seconds now (laughs) to give each other time (laughs) to process and respond. Yeah, I'm a journaler. I process after the fact. (laughs) All right, what do you have? I picked out a couple of emails. So let's read the one that is called Old Man Ghosty. Hey, ladies. My name is Aspen, and I have recently began listening to your podcast, and I listen every day at work, and I fell in love. I was super excited to find out that I could share my encounters. This is my earliest memory of a ghost encounter, but I have many more. The most recent being with a demon, a shadow man with a hat. And what seems to be like a, and I got to give code words for these ones too, a windy boy or a flesh pedestrian. So if you're listening and you don't know what those are nicknames for, you can Google it and it will come up immediately. Yeah. All within a month or two, I had these experiences. I'll tell that one later when I feel safe to do so. But to give a little background to this story, I lived in Gillette, Wyoming at the time, and I was about four years old, and I was living with my mom and my grandparents on her side, along with my sister, who was three and a half years old. This was in my grandparents' house, as my mom, my sister, and I were looking for our own place at the time and living with them. I remember being in one of the guest rooms with my sister, both of us on the same bed, and I woke up in the middle of the night to feeling like I was being watched. I sat up in bed, and I saw my sister asleep, and she was facing the wall. So then I go and I look at the doorway, and the light was on in the hallway, probably a nightlight. But then I saw this man pointing at me and seeming to tell me to come over to him. I vividly remember what he looks like. He was wearing a white flannel, blue denim overalls, big work boots, and a hat similar to a straw hat. But the thing that stood out most to me then, and it still does, was his index finger. It looked broken as he pointed down to the floor. Now, being this little kid that I was, I shook my head no multiple times, (laughs) and he seemed to be irritated by that. After refusing many times to get up, I pulled the blanket over me, and I just went back to sleep. I'm not entirely sure who that man was. I believe my grandma thought it might be her uncle who died in a motorcycle accident, 
but she denied that thought sometime later. We all decided it might have just been a farmer still tending to his land. Sometimes I wonder if he was actually pointing at me or if he was pointing at something or someone behind me that I didn't see. My mom has told me that I'm a beacon of light for the spirit world and that I'm meant to help both the living and the dead. But with that being said, I also attract negative entities who want to snuff that beacon of light out. And that both terrifies me and also encourages me. Thank you for reading my story. If you want my demon encounter, I will gladly send it in. Love you both. I hope you keep going with the podcast, Aspen. Huh. I feel like, Aspen, what you said at the end there is something that so many people who do have psychic or medium or like paranormal type abilities and openness deal with Mm -hmm. of this idea of like, there's so much that I can do to help and I am this beacon of light. But yet with that comes this negative side effect of darker negative entities coming. Yeah. And how do you protect yourself? I don't have an answer. (laughs) Here's a thought as to what he was pointing at especially if Aspen's a beacon of light and is also supposed to help. I wonder if he was frustrated that she wouldn't come here and follow him because what if he died or was murdered or like buried somewhere and he wants help for someone to discover his grave or discover evidence that would like suggest that he didn't just die of natural causes. It was a a murder was afoot. And he was basically trying to like point, like go investigate here, like pull up this. I mean, how old was she? He thought, Old enough. <laughs> but she wasn't. Maybe he was like, this is the only person who's been able to see me in a hundred years. Yeah. I mean, that's terrifying. If you're young and the spirit is trying to get you yeah. to do something for them. You know, you have to understand that a little child, I'm imagining Aspen was like six years old, is yeah. not necessarily sure or going to help you. No. And that's okay. You've got the rest of eternity to try to find someone who will. (laughs) And Aspen, if you don't feel comfortable or don't feel safe, you do not need to help. No. That's a good rule for the living as well. I am curious who the uh, straw hat man was. Yeah, because it sounded like he didn't come back again ever. It was just like one time an attempt and it failed. And so he gave up forever. (laughs) All right. Well, I have another story. Great. This is from our listener, Adriana. Also, I really appreciate this because... Adriana emailed us from a work email, but at the bottom said, if you want to email me back, email me at this email, which is a different email because they knew that like it was a work email and if anything changed. We do get a lot of people emailing us from their work, which is great. If you have a break and you're already at your computer, please. But if you know or think that there's ever a possibility that you might not be employed at that place anymore and that email that might not be active you can send it from your personal or just provide your personal yeah or like college emails like our college emails they got rid of them after a couple of years after we graduated so yeah they just got dumped okay what up what's up i'm adriana from denver hey I've been listening since day one. I love the podcast. I work in a hospital and with all the COVID-19, it gets me through and keeps me positive. I thought it was time I finally write in my listener story. I'm almost 100% sure that my mother let a low-level entity in our house and it almost killed my little brother. Oh my God. So growing up, the house we lived in was haunted and I mean deeply haunted. So I'm going to try to tell you a pretty scary story with adult content. Trigger warning. Perfect. Thank you. When I was about 15 years old, my mother got remarried and we moved into a new house to accommodate our growing family. It was shortly after moving into the house that things started to get weird. 
The first occurrence happened about two weeks after we moved into the house. Both my brothers and stepdad were out fishing, and my mom, myself, and new little sister were sitting in the living room deciding on what we wanted to order for lunch. Spoiler, it was Jason's deli. As we're trying to decide, the front door opened halfway. We all paused and looked up, and then it immediately slammed shut. Obviously, we were all freaked out, insert hysteric girl screams, but my mom, cool as a cucumber, walks over to the door, opens it back up because she's freaking crazy. What if there was a murderer on the other side? Turned around and told us it was probably the wind. It was not the wind. (laughs) This was the start of something that no one could have ever prepared us for. In the days following the door opening, the energy to the house shifted. Things felt tense, like the physical space in the house. In some areas, such as the big open family room, you felt on edge like something was there. We would run past the space to our bedrooms every night in hopes that that feeling wasn't quick enough to catch us. So on top of the boogeyman energy that was clearly in the house, our doorbell started to ring. And normally this wouldn't be a spooky occurrence, but the house we lived in didn't have a doorbell. Oh, 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 God. (laughs) There were just a bunch of old weathered wires poking out where a doorbell should be. And this is where it all went wrong. So we have the door, the boogeyman energy and the doorbell. Let's add some strange smells. I feel like this is a recipe. (laughs) So my stepdad started to smell cigarette smoke late at night in random areas of the house. After my siblings and I were integrated fully and no one had admitted to the cigarette smoke, my stepdad took it upon himself to catch one of us in the act. And he never caught any of us. But what he did catch was the family dog, Buck, oddly whining at random corners of the house at night accompanied by the smell of cigarettes. Now me and my mother were not stranger to the paranormal. She had always raised us very spiritual and a lot of the women in my family were very sensitive or gifted in one way or another. So after a few weeks of strange occurrences, we were ready to sage this motherfucker to the ground. (laughs) But really, we had gathered some supplies and we were going to do a little bit of cleansing, if you know what I mean. Get cleansed. Get cleansed. When all of a sudden, my stepdad came out of the woodworks basically with this very stupid, 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 stupid idea that whatever was in the house was his best friend that had passed away from an overdose years before. My stepdad claimed that his dead best friend would visit from time to time and that Buck, our family dog, used to adore him and that's why he cries and that he always smelled of cigarettes and used to be quite the jokester, which explained the doorbell. I mean, this is all making sense. I understand why he would Yeah, but the bad vibes. You gotta trust your gut. Gotta trust your gut. And the dog was whining, like, not excited. It wasn't, like, the dog, Buck wasn't wagging his tail, like, excitedly whining. yeah. He didn't have his little excited wiggle. So my mom, and I'm screaming as I type this, believes him, decides to put a hold on the sage, which was a very bad idea, a very, very, very bad idea. So in the upcoming weeks, shit really started to get unreal. My little sister started sleepwalking. And when you would try to tell her, oh, honey, you're sleepwalking. Let's get you back to bed, as my mother so often did, she would reply, I'm awake in the weird, almost like raspy voice. And it would scare the hell out of all of us. What the fuck? My brothers and I would start to hear footsteps on the carpet outside our rooms. Me and my two brothers shared the basement, which had a long hallway that all of our rooms ran along. And almost every night we would hear footsteps. 
Eventually, voices came along with these footsteps. Things got worse. I was the first one to crack. It was a Friday night. Insert Blink-182 song here, and I wanted to go out with my friends, so before I could go out for the night, I had to clean my room. I get home from school. I clean my room. Not your normal teenage cleaning. I mean, my mom made sure all of her clothes were folded nicely in our drawers, kind of clean, and then I was out the door. A few hours later, my mother called me in a rage to get my butt home because I didn't clean up my room. After arguing on the phone about how I swear I had already cleaned my room, I was definitely on my way home because my mama don't play no games. So I got home and found my room was a wreck, not the way that I had left it. And my siblings were not home, so I really had no one to blame. I was furious. Me and my mom really went at it at this whole room thing. And then it hit me. Whatever was responsible for the happenings in the house didn't want me to be gone all night. All of my other siblings were away and I was the only one left and it was going to keep me there. And worst of all, it knew that I knew it was there. Horrifying. So I cracked. I told my mom everything about the footsteps and the voices and that I think whatever it was didn't want me to go out. I thought my mom was really going to tell me to knock it off, but she didn't. She burst into tears and told me that she had been experiencing the same things too and was getting scared. So, Oh my gosh. She apparently tried to sage the house that morning while my brothers and sisters weren't home. She sent them to my grandma's for the day because she wanted the house empty so she could go room by room without interruption. The sage didn't work. In fact, after the cleansing, things really started to kick up. And my youngest brother, Jay, started to have nightmares. Nightmares where he said someone would tell him to hurt people. Obviously, this was a huge red flag to my family, and my parents started keeping a very close eye on Jay. They would constantly check in on him. Trigger warning now. In the weeks that followed the sage, things got worse for everyone, but especially for Jay. It was like all the activity started being centered around him. Things got dark, the energy in the house was dark, and the activity was dark to match it. One afternoon, before everything blew up, I was home alone with Jay, He was sitting at the kitchen counter when I got home from school, which was unusual because I was usually the first one home. I had a free period at the end of the day, which meant I was off by 1.15 every other day. So when I got home and saw Jay sitting there at the kitchen table, I asked, what's up, dude? Why aren't you at school? You sick or something? Jay then looked me dead in the face. He wasn't sick, but the voices told him not to go to school. On the outside, I was like, uh, okay. But on the inside, I was like, what the fuck? Voices? Oh, hell no. So I went downstairs to the bathroom to call my mom and tell her, one, Jay didn't go to school today, and two, homeboy is hearing voices. What the (laughs) hell kind of family did my mom get us into? So I'm in the bathroom telling my mom. She tells me to go sit outside on the front step with Jay and wait for her. I'm like, okay, okay, mom's got a game plan. I just need to grab Jay. So I go open the bathroom. It won't budge. The knob is turning, but the door isn't opening. It's like the door was being held shut. I give it a good couple of shoves with my shoulder and nothing. I start to panic. I think maybe it's Jay. So I get down on my hands and knees, face pressed to the ground to look under the door to see if anyone's actually holding the door closed. There's no one outside the door. Of course, I start crying and trying to shake the door when finally I call out to Jay for help and the door just opens. I do a quick sweep of the house. I couldn't find Jay, but I wasn't staying there either. So without Jay, I wait for my mother on the front step. I don't know what exactly happened in the house with my mom and Jay that day, but she still won't talk about it. We were so out of our league. So the next day, my mom called in a curandero. She convinced my new stepdad that some serious shit was going on and we needed help. This person came and met Jay the next day and told us that Jay was a lost kid. And sometimes lost kids look to be found in the worst way. And Jay had been found by a low-level spirit and it had attached itself to Jay. 
Oh, no. We tried a lot of different things to try to help Jay, and nothing seemed to work. That's when it happened. It was a weekday, and I had work after school. And I got a call from my boyfriend saying that my mom had called him to come get me from work, that something was going on, and I was to stay at his house until someone came and got me. My mom didn't come for two days. When she finally came to get me, she told me that she and my stepdad had come home from work, trigger warning, to find Jay with a belt around his neck. Mm. My parents got there just in time to cut him down and call 911 to save his life. This is when they found a notebook in Jay's room where he was what some people call automatic writing with his spirit. No. My mom said the notebook said terrible things. Talked about hurting people, a bunch of things that didn't make sense for an 11-year-old boy to be writing about. And worst of all, it was telling Jay to hurt himself. Oh, my gosh. Jay was lucky. He made a full recovery and spent a lot of time in treatment, and we had the house blessed while he was gone, which is also another insane story I'll save for another time. But it seemed to do the trick. Jay is now 25 and literally the kindest and best brother I could ever ask for. He still doesn't talk much about what happened back then, and we also never push him. We moved the hell out of that house less than three months later. Well, that's my story. Mucho, mucho, mucho love, and see you on the other side, Adriana. Oh my gosh, Adriana. I just feel bad for like everybody in this story that was involved because it sounds like there was just such an intense, heavy darkness And everyone felt like they had to be alone in it for a significant Mm -hmm. amount of time before coming together and and trying to solve and battle the entity. It feels isolating. You don't know what to do. I feel like there's moments where you feel like you're going a little crazy. It's just so sad. Yeah. Like the way that – and it might just be the way that I interpreted it and it might not be how it actually happened. But when Adriana said she got home and found Jay sitting at the island and he was like – he was hearing voices. It almost like made me think that Jay was speaking in third person. Oh. Like that it was the spirit speaking, saying Jay was hearing voices. I wonder what Jay thinks now. What are Jay's memories? I hope that he doesn't remember, honestly. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. So sad. Which is also scary to just like not remember, but know that there was something dark coming after you. <sighs> Gosh. It would make me paranoid. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that everyone's okay. Yeah, me too. And this is like, you know, I think it's hard because this is a family that clearly believes in the paranormal and they were willing to like hear about it and talk about it. But still there was like this isolation and mm-hmm. fear of fully addressing what it was because it was yeah. confusing. And this is why I'm like, if your child or your family member tells you they're experiencing something, whether it's a real paranormal activity, whether it's a mental health issue, like that is their reality and it very much should be talked about and addressed and heard and figured out. I agree. So that people don't feel alone. It's so hard because it's like sometimes you don't know how people are going to react or like in this scenario where it was like it's easy for some people to attribute what's happening to something else. Yeah. And that just kind of like delays and prolongs. It's hard. The paranormal and experiencing things that are scary with the paranormal it's very difficult. It is. I'm just glad everyone's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I have a longer-ish one to end us on, and it is called okay. Growing Up with Spooky Things. Huh. Hey, ghostly gals. My name is also Sabrina, and maybe it's a Sabrina thing, but I also do creepy voices, and I'm obsessed with Halloween and have been a ghoul for a few haunted houses, putting my creepy growls and voices to good use. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Sabrina. You should start doing that. 
There's so many in LA. Doing what? Be a ghoul. When they do haunted houses, like sign oh, up for oh, oh. A, a weekend or whatever and have them dress you up or give you like a megaphone or something. To be honest, being one of the people that scares people, it sounds so fun, but it almost scares me more than being the person who's scared because I feel like you think you're in control, but like you're not. Yeah. You could get too lost in your character. <laughs> oh, that's not what I meant. But. <laughs> She never comes out. She's always a ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I come back possessed by my own character. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like Madonna. She went to England like one time and had a British accent for the rest of her life. I absolutely love listening to y'all throughout the day as I do my, what I like to call, Cinderella duties. I'm a stay-at-home wife and a crafter, so when I'm not making craft commissions, I'm cleaning or I'm baking, and it's like having two like-minded spooky friends in the room with me just chatting on about shared interests and occurrences, and I just adore it. Share your recipes with us. Yes, tell us what you make. And your crafts. What are your crafts? Now that I've given you a long-winded introduction to myself, on to the spooky stuff. Ever since I was little, I've had multiple spooky occurrences that I've experienced that listening to this podcast has made me feel way less alone in having them. Like I said, I've been having multiple and one shared, but at separate times, which I'll get into telling you. My first experience, the mother-daughter bonding. When I was Mm. little, my grandparents lived in a large two-story brick house that was beautiful But whenever I was left alone in it, I felt like I was being watched or even like I was being stalked in a certain part of the house to the point where I would run upstairs or down specific parts of the hallway in the house because I always felt like something was on my heels. And when I brought this up to my German grandmother, she simply told me to tell them loudly to leave me alone. So if you can imagine, they hear a little fourth to seventh grader, me screaming, go away, leave me alone, quite a lot. (laughs) Well, One year, I got very sick while I was staying at my grandparents as the rest of my family was out of town, and I was quarantined to the upstairs office slash billiard slash playroom. While I was sick, I woke up with a throat drier than the desert, and I was congested to where it was really hard to breathe, so I quickly and quietly ran downstairs to go to the kitchen for a much-needed glass of water. When reaching the bottom of the stairs, I got a glass of water from the sink as fast as I could, and I began hyping myself up to make the trek back upstairs while catching my breath. I walked to the painting at the end of the hall that always brought me comfort, and I traced the flowers on it, trying to calm my nerves and catch my breath slowly, sipping my water, and all of a sudden, I felt as though I was being watched, slowly turning around to look back at my favorite painting, and I looked down the hallway, and I think maybe it's my Oma, as she did tend to stay up late reading in the library down the hall, but just my luck, it was not her. Instead, I see a woman in this very dated white flowing cotton style dress that I later found out was a nightgown with a white sleeping bonnet style hat on top of her head. Me, completely confused, I squeak out and I say sheepishly, hello? A smirk seemed to cross her face and she began moving towards me. I froze and I look down and I see that her feet are not touching the floor, but rather she's gliding. And I couldn't move. I I gripped my glass tight And I press myself flat against the long, comforting painting, and I squeeze my eyes shut, and I just stand there. 
A few moments later, I feel a cool breeze pass through and pass me, and then my sinuses immediately unclog, and it's as though I can finally breathe easy after days of being a terrible mouth breather, and my head that once felt hot is now immediately dulled. I open my eyes, and this woman is gone. I look down at my cup, and I notice that it changed from the faucet temperature cold to ice cold. Like, it felt like I was holding a cup of ice. And I can see my fogged handprints around the glass. Not wanting to stick around, I run my butt back upstairs with my ice-cold water. I turn on the lamp. I hide under my covers on the pull-out couch that I had called my bed for the past two days. And I eventually drift back to sleep. The next morning, I woke early as fuck because Saturday morning cartoons, duh. And I convinced myself that I was just, I had a bad dream the night before. And I must have broken my fever in the night. Until I see my glass of water on the side of the table with the water ring around the base of where that icy water condensation had dripped down. I quickly dried it so that my Oma wouldn't have my ass for messing up her table and not using a coaster. And then I dumped the still chilled water and got dressed and eagerly awaited my mom's return to come pick me up. And I tried to think of ways to even tell my mom what had happened, thinking she would think it was crazy. So I kept it to myself until I was with her alone a few days later. While we were out on one of our long drives along the coast to get some of our girl time in. I told her I needed to tell her something, but I was scared that she would think that I was lying or worse. Understanding, she parked at one of our favorite lookout spots that looks over the ocean and told me to let it rip. And as I began to tell her, her face went from happy to intrigued to stoic and concerned with a touch of anger. I finished my story and she says in an upset voice, who told you that? It's not funny. Did Papa tell you to tease me? Because it's not funny if he did. (gasps) Confused, I asked what she was talking about and that I hadn't even told them about what happened because I was scared that they would call me a liar or keep me from watching my cartoons or painting or playing outside that day. And rather, they'd make me read boring books with Oma in the library and I hated being in there all day. My mom's face was in total shock. She then proceeded to tell me that when she was a little girl around my age, She'd gotten very sick, and she'd woken up late in her room with a ravishing thirst and a terrible headache. She was unable to breathe out of her nose, and she quickly scurried down the long hallways to get a glass of water, and she had almost the exact same experience. The only difference was that I had come from upstairs, and she had come from the hallways, but she and I had both seen that woman in white. Holy shit. My mother's always said that she felt as something has followed her or stuck with her, and I believe it as well as I'm convinced that it's from that house. My second story, The Cellar of Darkness. A second occurrence from that house was in the cellar that I absolutely hated going in, whether it be alone or accompanied. My Oma would store sodas and canned goods as well as other dry goods throughout the seasons. Being from Germany and surviving the terrible Nazi war, she insisted on having it because you never know what's going to happen. One day, I was sent to get a few sodas and cans of soup from the cellar, And on this particular day, it felt extra unnerving. So from the top, I proclaimed, you're not that scary. Just leave me alone. You're not going to win. And I slowly began my descent into the dark, dank, mothball-smelling cellar. While trying to find the chain in the dark that turned on the light, I felt something brush my leg. I jumped, and out loud I said, oh my, your evil cat got in the cellar again. Side note, I love all animals. But that cat and every cat she ever had was the meanest animal I've ever come into contact with. So I brushed it off and I just assumed that she'd run upstairs back to the house while searching for the soup and sodas. 
I found the light. I turned it on expecting to see Missy the cat sitting there, pleased with herself for spooking me, but there was nothing. So I just brushed it off. I figured maybe she ran her ass back upstairs and into the house. So while searching for the soup and sodas, the light began to flicker on and off. Mm -hmm. And I again stated, stop it. I just want some damn soup. Go away. (laughs) And as I said that, cold air ran up my neck and across my ears. I froze for a moment and then I spun around and I yelled, stop it. Go away. No one wants you here. And quickly grabbed the closed soup and soda and went very quickly out the door to the stairs leading out. Just then the light went off and the door began to shut and I heard the click of it shutting. When I tell you I screamed, I mean I screamed a blood curdling scream loud enough for my papa to hear on the second floor while he was playing his music. So he flew down the stairs past my Oma down the cellar door and basically had to rip it open to find me frozen, standing there with tears in my eyes, screaming, it's not funny. Stop it. And the soup and sodas right next to the door and the lights flickering on and off. And needless to say, I never went in that cellar again. And if I did, I went with either my Oma or my Papa. And I stopped at the last step while they handed me things to bring up to the house. That's so sad. Stay spooky, ladies and kitty queen. Thank you for reading my haunted happenings. See you on the other side. Sabrina. Um, Sabrina, it's terrifying. And like, yes, there's probably a little bit of comfort in the fact that your mom had this exact same experience, but also also at the same Mm -hmm. time, there's probably zero comfort because it's like, well, what the heck is this? And why is it now like tormenting me in the same exact way it did my mom? Oh God. It seems scary. It seems like just like a normal spirit, but the way that it like let this like mischievous grin spread across their face and then like slowly inch towards Sabrina is like so malicious yes it's also confusing too because it's like is the lady floating down the hall is she causing all the sickness like the stuffy nose and everything or is she suddenly curing people of it because the sightings Hmm. happen while someone feels stuffed up and sore throat and all that but it's like do they feel that way because she's near and she's planning to show herself to them or is that like a symptom that she like died from yeah Oh, and then, oh, Sabrina's feeling of like actually feeling the woman pass through her and like by her as she went down the hallway with her eyes shut, just like knowing that if she had opened her eyes in that one second, the woman would be there. Oh, so scary. That house sounds terrifying. I'm so curious, like, it does. If it's still in the family. Yeah. Slumber party. (laughs) Slumber party. The Sabrina's can have a slumber party. You can FaceTime me in. I'm too scared. Well, this was a scary one. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everyone, for you joining us. Thank you for sharing your stories with us. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we're so grateful for all of you. If you want access to more stories, more content, join us on our Patreon. Also, watch our videos on YouTube. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. And most importantly, tell everyone to listen to the podcast because Pyramid Scheme. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Jamie, who edits our audio and video. And shout out to all of you for listening and supporting us. We so appreciate you. you. We love you. And we will see you you on the other side. Very spooky.